0: Hi, you're listening to koldo Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every
1: Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website
0: at Coldod.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash koldo and now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Well, as the children go out to their classes, um, I want to introduce uh, Joey Stepikoff, who's a wonderful brother and works in consulting, but he's also a, he spoke at the Messiah Conference. He's going to be sharing a short message here before my message this morning. And so uh, he's with us from Florida. His dad is a, a dear friend and colleague of mine, uh, Michael, Rabbi Michael Stepikoff in Tampa Bay area, Florida. Would you give him a warm welcome? It's great to have him with us today. <laughs>
1: All right. Hey, y'all. Shabbat shalom. I'm excited and honored to be up here sharing with you this morning. As Rabbi Ken said, my name is Joey Stepakoff. I'm the son of Messianic Rabbi and Michael Stepakoff in the uh, Tampa Bay area of Florida. We have a congregation there. I've been on leadership. I've uh, been in leadership positions with the YMJA for about five years. That includes three years serving on their, exec- on their executive committee as uh, the treasurer. And I, like plenty of you out there today, I'm a young person who has a heart for this movement. I have a heart for what God is doing in these end times in which we live, what he's doing within the hearts of Jewish people around the world, and what he's doing among Jews and Gentiles, bringing us together in unity, one in Messiah, in Messianic congregations like here at Cold OD. It's only in places like Messianic congregations like Cold OD where you see Jew and Gentile together, one in Messiah, side by side, worshiping the God of Israel. It's a key part of Messianic life. The Lord is using Messianic synagogues to restore Gentile believers to the Jewishness of Yeshua and to the body of Messiah, as it was in the days of the apostles. Jewish believers bring the culture of Yeshua to the believing world, and it cuts both ways. Because here you have Jewish people saying, (laughs) y'all. So the exchange of the culture of Israel is beautiful, but there's much more to it than that. The gospel itself is a Jewish message. And it is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe, to the Jew first and to the Gentile. Amen? Amen. These are the days that the prophets wrote about going back thousands of years. This is the day of God's grace being poured out upon Israel. He's regathering us to our ancestral homeland, rebuilding the cities and waste places of old, revealing himself in all the lands that we've been exiled to, and breaking down the walls of separation that have so long stood between Jew and Gentile throughout history. A healing is taking place, a restoration is taking place, and a revival is taking place. Amen? Yeah. All this kind of stuff is most clearly seen within the walls of Messianic synagogues globally. And this is where you see Jew and Gentile, one, is, or one in Messiah, together for the salvation and restoration of Israel and proclaiming the name of Yeshua as the Savior of the whole world. Now, as a young person born into this movement... I can't tell you uh, how many times I've heard the stories of what life was like during the days of the early pioneers of the modern-day Messianic movement. Society was in total upheaval and chaos. There was riots in the streets, people turning to drugs, free love, and progressive plant-based diets for truth. Nothing like today. <laughs> but out of the chaos and of that crazy time, God showed up, and one of the biggest revivals in history occurred, the Jesus movement. And I like to remind people that the same God who birthed revival during that crazy time is most certainly not done revealing himself to people. And in fact, the gospel needs to be proclaimed around the world now more than ever before. Amen? Amen. This world needs to hear about the free gift of eternal life through Messiah Yeshua. He is the way, truth, and life. He is the resurrection. He's our only hope. He came for all people. He's the lamb slain for the sin of the whole world, and whoever believes in him will be saved but now is the moment of the salvation of Israel. The good news is going forth in the land of Israel and it's spreading like wildfire. And he's not finished reaching Jewish people here in America and not here in Nashville, Tennessee. I know a great wave of revival came in the 70s, but I believe, I firmly believe that another one is coming. Thank you, let's all clap for that, come on. God's not dead, he's not done. My uncle, my aunt and uncle actually live here in Nashville. I'm visiting them this weekend and uh, my uncle's a country music songwriter. And let me tell you, days are coming when jewish people are going to be writing country songs about yeshua i can hear it now my girlfriend left me she slashed the tires on my pickup i stopped drinking whiskey and now my heart's with yeshua now my generation of messianics is called to continue the mission of all those who came before us us young people I see a lot of young people here, by the way. That's amazing. We could be anywhere in the world right now. I saw that. Yes, you're young too. (laughs) Uh, We could be anywhere in the world right now. We could be out like having a brunch somewhere or all these musicians could be gigging somewhere. But we're here on this fine morning at Shabbat service. Not out of obligation, but because we have a heart for what God is doing and for his truth. We have a heart for what he's doing with this movement and his future plans for it. The message of salvation needs to be proclaimed now more than ever to this world. This world is perishing, and it's in chaos, and it's in an uproar because there's an assault on truth. The secular world likes to pretend that it's got all the answers, and all we need to do is listen to them. But God wants us to listen to him. Psalm 119 verse 103 says, How sweet is your word to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. But this world tells us that we just need to shelve all that God nonsense and that outdated Bible of ours. It's too offensive. It's judgmental. It's close-minded. And it's exclusive. Yeshua said in John chapter 14 verse 6 that he is the way, truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through him. But to say that to a perishing world that thinks that everyone should do what is right in their own eyes is offensive because it flies directly in the face of agendas out, out there that say that your truth and my truth and their truth together makes a rainbow of truth. Here's the reality. There is no your, there's no your truth and there's no my truth. There's the truth, amen? Now, I have a particular burden in my heart for young people to take hold of God's word, which is truth in its purest form, because one of the key battlegrounds where you can witness this assault on truth is within the minds of young people. The secular world likes to target young people, and one of the more popular ways they do it nowadays is through an intentionally uh, twisted meaning of the word inclusion. And I can testify to this because, I mean, young people, we love to include and be included. So the world knows that, and so they twist the definition. When I was on YMJA leadership, um, when we plan our regionals and our conferences, Something that we heavily focus on is creating a welcoming environment for people, young people, to come from wherever they're at in life. Come as you are and encounter God. But this world says, come as you are and create your own truth. That's against the word of God. Now, I'm not against including people. Who could be against that? Inclusion is biblical. As the family of God, our Bible commands us to reach all people. It was in the Torah portion today. You are to love the outsider within your gates. All who are broken, lost, and hurting are are invited to come and partake of the bread of life and drink from the fountain of living water. That is Yeshua HaMashiach. So yes, come as you are, but don't leave as you are. Our Bible says, come as you are, but you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen? And this truth is that the Son of God came and tabernacled among us, led a sinless life, was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and died upon the tree of sacrifice so that you and I could have life and have it abundantly. There's no greater love than this. There's no greater truth than this. And I don't know about you, but I'm not ashamed of this gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. But it is foolishness to those who are perishing. Scripture is clear that a day of judgment is coming upon this perishing world. But scripture is just as clear that God so loved this world that he sent his only son to die for it so that whoever believes in him, no matter where you're from, where your family's from, every nation, tribe, and tongue, whoever believes in him might live anew in him and be saved. John chapter 3.18 says, the one who believes in him is not condemned, but whosoever does not believe has been condemned already because he has not put his trust in the one and only Ben Elohim. Yeshua is our hope. Yeshua is the truth. He's the only way to counter the chaos and confusion of this world because it was his life that was freely given so that we might live anew in him. This world, or the world, when they hear this, they begin to mock and scoff at how exclusive messianic life is. It tries to rope us back in with fear and bondage. But for believers like you and me, when we hear this message, we are are humbled and empowered We remember the day that, the first time that we encountered God, when his grace fell upon our lives. And when that happens to you, you just, you want the same for the rest of the world. And I must say, whether you're Jewish or not Jewish, when God reveals his truth to you, when you know God's heart for you, and you begin diving more and more into his word to know him more and more, you begin to see very clearly his love for Israel you begin to see that the son that he sent into this world to die for us, the only one in whose name we proclaim healing, transformation, and new life for all those who believe. That same Yeshua promised that he would come back one day. And his return is connected to the Jewish land, Jewish people, and a Jewish Jerusalem welcoming him back, proclaiming, Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai. We know this day is closer now than ever before. And as the Messianic movement, young and old, Jew and Gentile together, we're called to keep proclaiming the gospel to counter the lies and fear of this world until that day when all Israel is saved. When this gospel becomes ingrained in our minds, and our very being, we're no longer slaves to the bondage or to the lies of this world. Because when the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. Amen? Do you want to live in foolishness or do you want to live in freedom? Good. Then you're in the right place you've got a dynamic duo, Rabbi Rebitson here and a precious Messianic Synagogue here in the Music City. And God's not done with this city. Let revival sweep this city. Let Synagogue Row be known as Messianic Synagogue Row. One day it'll happen. God bless you. I hope to meet all of you after this. Shabbat shalom. Uh,
0: let's go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and 8, if you would. Turn over there. Father, we just thank you for that, for that word that Joey brought us, Lord, from you and we just think on it for a little bit, Lord. Just allow it to s- conviction to settle into our souls, Lord. Thank you, God, that we have the answer. We're holding on to the, we have it within our grasp and to offer it to others, Lord. Thank you for the revival that's coming. We just thank you for what you're doing. So, gal enay va'avita nifloot toro techa, to continue to open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word, we pray v'shem yeshua amen we're going to look at a few portions here just a few quick portions deuteronomy 7 17 and 18 it says and really the word ekev ekev is a heel and we'll look at that in a minute but what that's the the torah portion the parsha today what that means but if you should say in your heart these nations are greater than i how can i dispossess them god says if You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Those two verses. Look at that, if you would. You say in your heart, These nations are greater. How can I? The question, the Hebrew word, the Hebrew phrase there is Echa Uchal. How can I? And God says the answer to "Echal uchal, how can I, is really uh, zachor tizkor, really remember. It's a doubling of zachor, really remember. How can I, God says, really remember, really remember what God did before, because so will the Lord your God do again. What I did before, I will do again. So the question they're asking, they're measuring themselves against these formidable nations, these huge nations. And they're saying, how can we do it? And measuring the prowess of seven larger and stronger nations, their idolatrous nations into which they're about to enter in chapter 7, verse 1, against their abilities rather than against the living God's abilities, measuring our challenges and obstacles against some things that are much greater. Uh, Toby Mac just came out with a, uh, an album. How many have heard it? I, I just discovered already some have life after death. It's incredible. We were listening to some of the songs. Uh, I heard a, one, I think a couple yesterday and we're on a way today, uh, dealing with the loss of his son, which is just before the loss of our son. And dealing with loss and grief, it's going to bring healing to, to, I hope, millions of people, definitely to thousands of people. It's unbelievable. The songs are unbelievable. And we can never measure our challenges against, uh, you know, we measure our challenges uh, and obstacles against what's against us. We measure them against God. The question shouldn't be, how can I, but how can't God, right? How can't God? The answer, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Remember what he did in Egypt and what he will do the same. Isaiah 51, verses 12 and 13, a couple of my favorite verses. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die and of the son of a man who will be made like grass? And you forget the Lord your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth you have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor when he is prepared to destroy. And then I love this. And where is the fury of the oppressor? God says what you're afraid of doesn't even really exist. It's all in your mind. It's your in your imagination. It doesn't even really. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die? You've forgotten the Lord, your maker. It's not about you. It's about God. We become frightened and fearful rather than focused and faithful. He will do as he has done in our past if we continue to trust him and to follow him. First John 4, 4 says, you are from God, little children, and you've overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, right? So this is, was Israel's mistake here. God says, you're saying, how can I? God says, it's not about you. It's not how can you, it's how can I? I'm going to do it. So get your eyes on me. Get your eyes off yourselves. And then in chapter 7, verse 22, there's an amazing verse here. Look at verse 22. It says, uh, 20, he's going to send the hornet against them. That's kind of humorous. God says, I'm going to send the hornet. He's actually sent hornets against them, the survivors, to (laughs) to drive them out. Uh, And he says, you should not be terrified of them since the Lord your God is in your midst, a great and awesome God. The Lord will drive away those nations, verse 22, before you. And then it's ma'at ma'at. Let's say ma'at ma'at. Ma'at ma'at. It's an easy Hebrew phrase to say, right? Little by little. Little by little. Ma'at ma'at. You'll not be able to put an end to them all at once. Lo maher. Even in modern Hebrew, maher. Hurry, hurry up, rush. Let's go. Hurry, hurry. Maher, maher. Not all at once, lest the beasts of the field will multiply on you. He says, you're not ready for the after effects if it happened all at once. God was protecting them from the wild beasts running rampant. And maybe it's a picture of pride. I don't know the picture of this. 1 Timothy 3.6 says, regarding a man being placed in a position of overseer, not a novice, not a newly, in the Greek, newly planted, lest he become puffed up with pride and fall into the same judgment as the devil. Uh, it says, careful, don't put someone into authority too quickly lest it goes to his head. I think it, there was one modern translation that said, lest uh, his ke- head gets in the clouds and the clouds get in his head, you know, uh, and it happens. Little by little, God said, little by little, don't be in a hurry, not hurriedly, there's no instant success, but we always look for shortcuts. Let's ask Google, you know, it's so easy, you know, everything, shortcuts. Maat, but God says Maat Maat. Uh, you know, I want to win the lottery. Let's go play the lottery. I've done it like once in my life. That's not the way God wants it to happen. It's little Maat Maat, and that's true of our salvation. Uh, Romans chapter five, verses one through five talks about that process, that beautiful process, steady, and it happens. But I'm not going to read that because I want to go on to this. Say that in in this whole passage, God talks about the tests of Uh, adversity and the tests of affluence. There will be tests of adversity in our lives and there will be tests of affluence or adversity and prosperity. And if you think about it, which are harder to pass in our lives when we face tests that God puts us through? Some would say, well, the tests of adversity are the hardest ones, but really, I don't know. Tests of, of affluence can be Tougher. That was when Israel would forget God. and God said, "Be careful lest you forget me, and lest you ignore me. Uh, adversity are in chapter eight, verse three, uh, eight verse three, five and 5:16, five, I'll read them to you. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens you who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions, thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers didn't know, that he might humble you and that he might test you. And then the affluence, verses uh, 7 and through 10 of chapter 8 and 12, Several verses, 12 through 14 and 18. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, flows of, uh, and the flow of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. You'll lack nothing. Everything will be taken care of. A land with, whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you've eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Lest he says, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when you, the herds and the flocks multiply and your silver and the gold are multiplied and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will be haughty and you will forget Adonai your God, and you shall re. He says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. So, which is really tougher? Which are we more apt to fail? The, the test, test of adversity or affluence? Proverbs 17.3 says, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace is for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. and The, the Hebrew actually reads, the testing for hearts, Adonai. In other words, Adonai is for testing hearts just like the crucible is for silver and like a furnace is for gold, for purifying, for bringing out the value of these these things. Job 23.10 says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. So the refining pot or crucible and the furnace both gauge how much impurity a metal contains, and then refine it by melting and removing the impurities. God has to put each one of us, his servants, into the fire to melt off the dross, remove the impurities, so that he can have the finished product. Now the, it's the complaining, it might be criticizing, we're, we're criticizing or fault finding, or it might be pride and arrogance. The word bachan in Hebrew, bachan, means to, to test the performance for quality. 1 Peter uh, 1, verses 6-8 says that the genuineness or the true metal of your faith, being far more valuable than gold that perishes, though it's tested or refined by fire, may come to light in praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of the Messiah Yeshua. Now, Paul talks about this process, and he says, I can handle both. He says, I'm used to facing both, and either way, I'm going to pass the test of both. And this is what I know I want, and I know you want in our lives. We want to be able to say with Paul, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. For whatever circumstance I am in, I have learned to be content. I know that I what it is to live with humble means and I know what it is to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of contentment both to be filled and to go hungry to have abundance and to suffer need I can do some things through Messiah who strengthens me oh did I get that did I, I, I read that wrong I can do what Oh, thank you. Okay, thank. you for correcting. Okay, thank you. I know, I know I misread that. I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. Okay, so whatever we face, you know, we may say it's easier to have a lot, but actually, the tendency, if you have a lot, is is to be full and comfortable, is to forget God and neglect God, and the tendency when you have a when you're ha- when you're needful and in pain is. The negative tendency is to curse God. Not that we would ever do that, but in the flesh, the flesh w- does, would curse God or reject God, to complain and turn from God. When you're lacking, when you're as needful, when you're in pain or poverty or weak. In prosperity, when you're full, comfortable, prosperous, powerful, for the, te- the negative tendency, forget God, neglect or neglect God, you know, and just, I'm not, prayer- I'm not, not so prayerful. I don't really need to pray. I don't feel I need to. Let's pass the test in adversity. Instead of curse God, let's kiss God. Let's, let's cry out to him in adversity. Let's trust him. You know, and kiss God, I really mean that. I mean, you know, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth, like Shir Hashirim says, Song of Songs. We, we just, you know, have the closest trust, trust to him, cling to him. In prosperity, remember him, acknowledge him, and use it as a platform to proclaim him if we're, if we're prospering, if we're doing well, and to bless others through what, what he's blessed us with, of course. This week's parasha is called Ekev. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Ekev. Ekev means as a consequence, as a result of. But etymologically, it's related to the word Akev, which means heal. All right? Heal. We need to regard ourselves as a heel. All right? As the lowest part of the body and not the highest. Never forget our lowly beginnings and let success go to our head. One rabbi says God was warning that the Israelites shouldn't be too full of themselves, shouldn't allow success to go to their heads and forget that it was God who took them from slavery. Not just financial success that they were warned about, but moral success as well. In chapter 8:17, for example, in uh, 9, 4, mentions these. The truth is that he gives the Israelites the land despite their shortcomings of being an obstinate people. 2 Timothy 1, 9 says he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of our deeds, but because of his own purpose and grace. Right? This grace was given us in Messiah Yeshua before time began. His purpose, His grace, it's not about us, it's about Him. For you see your calling, brothers and sisters, not many are wise, not according to the flesh, according to human standards, not many are powerful, not many are born well, but God has chosen, 1 Corinthians 1, I'll read it, 126, God has chosen the foolish things. God has chosen the foolish things of this world so he might put to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world so he might put to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly and despised things of this world, the things that are as nothing, so that he might bring to nothing the things that are, so that no flesh, no human being might boast in his sight before God. But because of him are you in Messiah, Yeshua, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness, holiness, redemption. So that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. All goes, the glory all goes to him. So be careful, let's be careful not to sit in judgment of others based upon my current moral or material superiority. My family's better, I'm thinking, than yours my work is better than yours. My profession is superior to yours. My children are better than yours. My physical condition is better than yours. We are no better. You are no better. I am no better. Listen, success and accomplishment might be due to several factors besides hard work, because it's always hard work it takes, but it might be the family one is born into. The talent, the talents one is born with. It might be, it also might be being in the right place at the right time. All these factors come in. It's ultimately keep humble or else, (laughs) God told Israel. Keep humble or else. Remember when we had nothing and when we were nothing back in the land of Mitzrayim, Egypt, right? Right? Remember, remember, always remember. That's what God tells us. That's what we do at Passover every year, but we do it in all of, in many of the prayers. Success is ultimately a result of what? God's chen, his grace, his chen and chesed. And we are a kev, a heel. <laughs> We're a heel, right? Paul says it this way. He says, this favor was given to me, the very least of his kiddushim, of his saints, in Ephesians 3, 8, I'm the least, less than the least of all the saints. I still like the King James translation. I'm less than the least of all the saints. I'm the chief of sinners. The the, the worst, uh, the Greek word in 1 Timothy uh, 1, 15, I'm the protos. It means I'm the foremost. I am the worst. I'm the top. It doesn't get worse than me. And he meant it. Messiah Yeshua came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst. You know, sometimes God, sometimes People go away from the Lord and then they come and they, and they get humbled. You know, they're, they're humble when they come back to the Lord. And then they start doing well and they forget. And they go, start getting proud again. And they start thinking they're better than everyone else. And they start, think, start talking that way. Remember where you came from. Remember where God brought, saved you from. And remember, you're still just as vulnerable. You're, and we're really, we're really, I, Paul says, I'm the worst. 1 Corinthians 15, 9, and 10, I am the least of the emissaries, unworthy to be called an apostle or an emissary, a shaliach, whatever term you want to use. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Keep humble. It's not because of you, but God. And in spite of you, in spite of you, in spite of me, it has everything to do with God honoring his promises to others. Others' prayers, folks. Others' prayers. Others' labors before you. Even God using us to teach lessons, sometimes to angels, it's the Bible says, and the watching world say, so where is that in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 4.9, we are a spectacle. The Greek word is theatron, where we get theater from, to the men and the, and the angels. We are, there we're on display. And Job chapter 1, God, God says to the Satan, see, what's, see this guy Job? Take a look. Guess what? Look at him. And Jonah chapter 4 is a mention of it as well, the end of, end of the book of Jonah. God's ultimate plan is in Deuteronomy 8.16, he says, my plan is to test you to do you, what, in the, in the end? Good, yeah, to do you good. It says, he fed you in the wilderness with man and the fathers th- your fathers did not know in order to afflict you and to test you to do you good in the end. The, that Hebrew word for end, the techa, techa, it really means it's, and I have it up there, yeah, you can see it, it's the tr- exact translation would be in your delay, in your delay. It means to delay, to lag behind, acharit, to delay, to lag behind. It's sometimes translated afterwards. There's a delay. There's a, a lagging behind. It's not our timing. It's not our timing. His timing is ma'at, ma'at, little by little, little by little, ma'at, ma'at. not my timing. Let's Let's... May God help us to pass the tests, pass the tests little by little, through though it be it is tested, refined by fire, that it may come to light in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of the Messiah, Yeshua. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your plan for Israel and that your plan to your tests, your testing of adversity and prosperity in our lives, Lord. All for all to do us good in the latter end, Lord to do us good in the end. To bring out. To bring to light praise, honor and glory as you reveal your Yeshua to others, Lord, we thank you for your plan to use us, Lord. Keep us broken and humble. Remembering where we came from, Lord. That it's all by Your grace, Your chen, Your chesed. That we're healed, Lord. We're we're not in ourselves, but we're great in You. Through Your grace, Your power, You've called us. You've, and there's nothing nothing that's impossible for You, Lord. Nothing too hard for You. We thank You for that. We thank You that the answer for every situation is not how can we, but it's how can't you. We praise you and thank you. If you've never trusted Yeshua today, you've never invited him into your heart, just open up your heart to God now and say, Lord, I want you, God. I need you. I want to accept Yeshua, Lord. I'm giving my life to you today. I'm trusting in Yeshua, and I'm humbling myself. I want to humble myself and stop resisting God. I want to come maybe coming back to God. Maybe I want to just come back to you today, Lord, and submit my life to you. And if you're doing that, whether it's online, then please contact us. But we're praying with you right now. We're agreeing with you. God is receiving you. God loves you. He's fully embracing you. And uh, if you're here physically this morning, there'll be folks here to pray with you. Afterwards, come pray with someone that they'll agree with you and seal that in prayer and strengthen you in prayer. We praise you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your chen, for your chesed, your grace, your mercy. Your loving kindness, your covenant love, we bless you. Amen. Amen. Yivrecha donaiva yishmorecha. Ya er adonai panave lecha Yisa adonai panave lecha lecha shalom. Vishem yeshu ahamashi yach sarha shalom. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai turn his face toward you and grant you his shalom. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen, amen. Shabbat shalom.